Welcome, VegHead listeners. This is Robin. Welcome back. I hope you're having a good day. Today's topic is going to be about dieting, or more specifically about non-dieting. I thought this would be a good topic because many of the people I've been working with uh, come to me, and weight loss is one of the biggest um, uh, goals they have. And you know, the plant-based diet has diet in the name, but as I've I've kind of explained in other podcasts, diet is kind of a pattern of eating. But people in our society, in the Western society, think of diet as um, something you do to lose weight. And so um, I I think it's something we need to address. And I kind of wanted to share with you my viewpoints about it and kind of what I've been learning in my master's program uh, about the non-diet approach. So, I mean, I understand weight loss is a, is a big issue. And, you know, um, a recent study uh, uh, that came out um, in 2017 in the Journal of uh, G- Geriatric um, Cardiology, they did a study on plant-based diets and weight loss. And, you know, they start out by saying two-thirds, 69% of um, U.S. adults are overweight or obese. And they use the BMI to to make that determination, um, which is not the best um, uh, method for determining people's obesity or overweight. Um, If you're over 25, um, you're considered overweight and over 30, you're obese. And the, the thing about BMI, and I think I've talked to you about it a little bit before, is that it doesn't really take into your body composition so much. Um, if you're super muscular, a bodybuilder, you might come out as obese. But but for the most part, it's the best they have to, to um, right now to kind of assess, um, you know, somebody's, uh, you know, uh, fat levels, so to speak. And um, it was becoming out more is, is that, you know, the hip to waist ratio is probably a better measure, but it's not, you know, it takes a little bit more time to do. And, and the BMI is kind of the standard. So when you read studies, you know, those, those, um, those limitations of the BMI measurement, uh, but yet, um, everybody uses them. So don't get up in arms at the fact that, oh, they use BMI. It's just, it's just kind of, what's happening right and what they use right now to assess, um, uh, uh, body density. So it's, it's body mass index. So it's your, your, your fat, you know, mass to your muscle mass anyway. Um, you know, and in the same study, they talk about, uh, how, you know, being overweight or in, in the obese categories, uh, is definitely associated with chronic disease and, you know, such as type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, metabolic syndrome, and hypertension, the typical chronic diseases that are associated with, associated with lifestyle and diet. So, and they know that, um, as stated in the study, a modest uh, weight loss of, you know, 5% of your uh, body weight can decrease disease. And so that's why, you know, when you go to the doctor and you might be carrying extra weight, they recommend you lose weight because they know that um, if you're on borderline pre-diabetic, that losing weight does does help, um, you know, avoid those diseases. 
but so does exercise. And so especially with diabetes and hypertension. So, I mean, all of them actually, you know, increasing your exercise as well. But um, so, so that's why um, health and uh, weight is really interlinked in the um, medical world. But in the dietetics world, it's, it's sort of the same, but there's a new movement kind of out and um, it's considered the non-diet approach. Now, um, you know, all of you know that I'm an advocate for plant-based eating and, um, you know, in, in the non-diet approach, they kind of want you to not um, focus on restricting and eat certain foods. And I had to state right up front that um, my style of eating I don't really consider um, meat, dairy, and eggs as a food source. So I don't feel like I'm restricting it because it's not really food to me. That's kind of my paradigm shift. And so instead of looking at restricting those foods, I don't consider them foods. And instead I look at, in my paradigm of food, I look at all the things I'm able to eat in these certain categories of foods. So um, it doesn't seem restrictive to me. For someone eating a Western diet, I guess they see it as restrictive, but um, that's sort of where I'm coming from when I talk to you about this. And and by the way, a plant-based diet, which I meant to say, um, the study I started pointing out um, that was done, it was a plant-based diet uh, looking at um, weight loss and success of that. And um, it was certainly successful like any other diet. Um, and the difference with in this particular study was that the people um, on it were able to adhere to it better and stay, they were on it, able to adhere to it longer than uh, uh, when they compared it to other um, restrictive diets or, you know, uh, other diets, traditional diets. So that was the good news of the plant-based diet. And as far as accepting it more long-term, what they found is, well, people that may be on it um, for weight loss and they were successful in losing weight, when they checked back with them two and six months later, while they may have integrated some meats back into their diet, they were still eating way more fruits and vegetables than they had been. And so they were able to maintain um, their weight. So that was a positive thing about the plant-based diet. Um, so the problem is six months is not very long. And so what needs to be done in those in those studies is they need to go more long term and see if people are able to adhere to it, which brings me to the topic of dieting. So the new movement in the dietetics world of which I'm entering and been studying the last two years in my master's program is the non-diet approach. And I have to admit, I'm, I'm, I'm a real advocate for it because as um we have looked at our history of dietetics and have noted, you know, it used to be you go to a dietitian, they give you a food plan, you adhere to it and you lose weight if that's what you're striving to do. Or if you have health issues, you're trying, you know, um, you have cardiovascular disease and we know saturated fat contributes to that. We help you lower your saturated fat, but it's, um, it's not very sustainable for a lot of people. And so it's actually probably created more eating disorders than, or disordered eating. Um, they're, they're different um, in, than, than really helped people because people aren't able to sustain them. So 
I've been reading this book. It's called Beyond a Shadow of a Diet. And I have to say that it's really um, a really interesting and really well-written um, look at the non-diet approach. It's by uh, Judith Motz and Ellen Frankel. And it's sort of uh, geared toward therapists working with people that have compulsive eating uh, disorders or um, binge eating disorders. And, um, but there's a lot to be said in this just for um, people that overeat and, um, and, and they're trying to work with them in the non-diet approach, because as soon as you say you're going to do a diet, you think restriction and I'm not going to eat my favorite foods ever again. And then it, it sort of sets people's brains up to want to eat more of those things. So as soon as you say you can't have something, you want it and you want it more and you fixate it on wanting it more. And then you uh, people will tend to um, become, you know, kind of obsessed with it and and then tend to be out of control around that particular food and overeat it. So the idea, and this is, um, this is, it's a really comprehensive book and I'm going to hit some of the high points because um, if you're really interested, I suggest you maybe invest in getting the book and reading it. And there's another one, um, Intuitive Eating, that's uh, really good, uh, that kind of looks at some similar topics. And um, the idea is to really kind of get back in touch with, and what I want to talk about today is one of some of the basic tenets. So getting back in touch with your natural hunger. And I think um, people people have different levels of hunger that they can tolerate, which I thought was really fascinating. I was uh, traveling with somebody recently and um, when I was in Fiji and uh, you know, we were all sort of hungry because we hadn't eaten. We'd been working and, and then uh, we worked through our lunch and we were, you know, decided we wanted to go do something before dinner. And uh, there's four of us and one person in the group just was ravenously hungry. And you know, she had the hangry thing going on where she was angry because she was hungry. And, you know, we were all hungry. But what I realized is everybody's levels of hunger and how badly it debilitates them and stops them and, and alters how they feel is very personal. It's kind of like people with different pain thresholds, right? So the idea is, to kind of get into this attuned eating, intuitive eating, um, and and find out what it is for you to feel hungry, and 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 really see is it is it a physical hunger? Because there's kind of a psychological hunger, and there's also a physical hunger. And I've talked about this, and I think it's other podcasts, but um, you know, I just think it's such a huge issue. I wanted to bring it up again, and uh, that you know it's just, you need to kind of experiment and see what it is for you. And so, you know, you can ask yourself, you know, what is hunger is, is, do I feel hungry when my stomach's growling or I'm weak and, and, or does it just feel kind of empty? Do I get lightheaded? Do I get kind of irritable? This fatigue set in, you get shaky and, and then you have this hunger scale of you're starving, which I think that was the person we were with. She was starving and it all really goes into what does she eat before earlier in that day, right? And then how does everybody's body use it differently? And and so it's it's really a personal thing. So are you starving? Are you very hungry? Are you hungry? Are you somewhat hungry? 
Are you not hungry, not full, kind of that in-between phase? You know, are you somewhat full? And, and this is when you go to eat, when you start feeling that hunger, you start feeling, okay, I'm starting to get full. We know it takes about 20 minutes to kind of register your stomach to your brain that you're getting full. And then so you're like, am I somewhat full? Am I full? Am I very full? Am I stuffed? And then in that realm, where do you like to be? I mean, do you feel like you haven't eaten until you're stuffed? And I mean, stuff like a Thanksgiving meal stuffed. Is that how every meal has to feel for you? Um, if that's the case, there's a good chance that, you know, um, you're overeating. But if that's what it takes to get you stuffed. I mean, to really feel satisfied, um, you know, that's that's where you have to be. That's that's you. Um and and then then you'd have to look at, well, do I feel do I stuff myself at that level because I only eat three meals a day, and if I don't, then I will be hungry again by six o'clock. So I stuff myself at lunch so I can go the six hours or you know till seven eight o'clock at night when I get home from work. So, you know what um, is is you know would it be better for you? And this is a personal thing to say. Maybe I should break my meals up, and and so I you know eat something you know just where I feel satisfied, and then eat again you know with a, a healthy snack, and then get myself to dinner. Because often what'll happen for people that I've worked with is that um, they'll eat their lunch. And then they start getting hungry about three or four o'clock, but they go, oh, I'm almost off work. I don't want to eat a, a candy bar because, you know, it's it's not healthy. They label it as a bad food. And then they push themselves till they, you know, they drive home. And by the home time they hit the door, they're starved. And then they, you know, start eating. Um, and that's sometimes when the out of control eating starts. They, you know, choose uh, poorer choices that are easy and then, and then they sort of beat themselves up over it that, oh, I made these poor choices. I ruined my diet. I'm going to, you know, I'm a bad person. And, and there's, you know, no benefit in that. It was one meal. You can do better. You can do better the next thing you put in your mouth. So um, I think that's really kind of detrimental. And uh that's where the non-diet approach is, you know, if you're, you know, and I'm talking about when people are on diets, they do this where they like, Oh, I can only eat good foods. I can only eat lettuce and carrots and they're good foods and they label good foods and bad foods. And, you know, it's, it's kind of take that label off and say, okay, there's a place for everything. So if you're, um, thinking of a diet as restricting. Let's say everybody starts their diet on Mondays for some reason. And let's face it, um, part of what goes into the whole diet is thing, the diet is that you don't look in the mirror one day and go, you know, I look great. I'm going to start a diet. Instead, you kind of already are starting out with, there's something about your appearance or how you feel that you don't like. And it's most likely your appearance, the, the appearance, um, uh, you know, me divert, you know, uh, digress that there's um, studies that have been done on um, people that look at magazines and television and Instagram and all those images of the ideal body, whatever that is, and then being and then measuring how dissatisfied they are about their own body. 
well, they'll do a before and after. They'll, they'll ask them beforehand and they will you know, feel okay about how they look. And then they'll look at these images and they'll take another, the same survey. And then the, their feelings about themselves have now dropped. So um, I say, get rid of all, get rid of all the, the fashion magazines and all the, the magazines depicting these ideal body types, um, whatever those are, they're typically, you know, models who are super tall and super thin and represent a, a very small percentage of our population. And yet everybody wants to be that and they're not considering their own personal genetics. And so um, that brings me to the whole body image issue, which we'll probably have to address later because I kind of want to focus on diet, but um, or the, the lack of having a diet, more of, you know, being the non-diet. So the idea is that you get used to your kind of um, attuned eating and trust yourself to, you know, relearn what physical hunger feels like and kind of respond to, to that, but also respond to non-physical hunger, the psychological hunger that we have. We're just food, you know, um, feels a different, fills a different void for you. And so much of, um, out of control eating or making poor choices, um, are not physical hunger. They're out of, um, you're stressed out. You've had, you had a fight with somebody you care about. Um, you know, you saw these, these images that, you know, you want to, you know, have that body and, and it makes you feel bad because you don't. And so you often will turn to food. I'm not saying you personally, but people in general, um, if, if that sounds like something you do, then own it. But, um, if it's not, then just say, Oh, that's not me. It's someone else. Or, um, you know, uh, this doesn't really apply to fast forward through this. Okay. Cause the idea is that you want to kind of have a spot for every food in your diet. And I mean, this is, this is comes up. I guess the other day I was um, uh, working with somebody and I said, Oh, you know, you should maybe consider bringing potatoes with you because they travel really well. And the person's like, Oh, potatoes are really bad for you. And I was like, potatoes are bad for you? Why would you say that? You know, tell me more about that. And she said, oh, they're starch. They're, they're really bad for you. And I, you know, when I tried to prod and get more information as to why she thought they were bad, um, all she could think is they were high calorie and they were starchy and starches are bad for you. So after investigating that a little bit more and, you know, asking her if she liked potatoes and she said, yeah, she loved potatoes. And, um, you know, I said, you know, it's, it's okay to eat potatoes, <laughs> you know, they're, they're a vegetable and, and typically vegetables. It's, it's the stuff you put on them. It's the, the sour cream and the butter that increase the calorie intake, um, of them. And so I think people, uh, don't want to eat them without that. So they assume they're bad for you. But, um, even if, even if you have to eat some of that on them, to get you to eat your vegetables, you know, you can make it be less and, and still enjoy the actual food. So it's, I don't want you to say foods are, there's foods that are bad. Certainly there's foods that, um, 
maybe give you more um, nutrients for um, the amount of calories you're going to eat. I mean, and so you, as you start kind of getting used to your hunger fullness, um, you know, I, I put up a good visual on um, my LinkedIn, I think, about a, a stomach, showing a stomach that has maybe meat or oil in it, and then a stomach that has the same number of calories. And they went by calories to so say 500 calories, uh, same number of calories of eating vegetables. And in one visual, you have a stomach with 500 calories with oil and meat. And it's, it's barely full, like, you know, maybe the bottom um, fourth of it is filled. The stomach is in the visual. And then in this, in this, the vegetable and fruits um, a picture of a stomach with 500 calories, the stomach is full. So, you know, you're getting that sense of fullness with the same number of calories, you're getting it with fruits and vegetables and, and, you know, you have to eat more um, of certain foods to fill your stomach up. So, but as you get used to the hunger fullness, um, you start, you can start swapping that stuff out, but ideally you would just start with, um, you know, this attuned eating, where am I on the hunger fullness scale and when do I feel hungry? You know, do I wake up ravenous? Okay, then maybe eating breakfast is a great thing for you. If you wake up and you're not especially hungry, maybe you take something with you because you get hungry at nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, I've had clients that are, are both. And so just know that because they tell you you have to eat breakfast because that's a good way to start the day. Yeah, for most people it is. You might not be that person. Okay. And it's really trusting yourself to know what's best for you and, and find a plan that works best for you. So what I want to leave you with is that, um, again, like I said, plant-based diets, you know, if you're eating the plant-based lifestyle, um, weight loss happens. Okay. It just does because you're eating, like I said, you're filling your stomach up with fruits and vegetables and, um, getting a bunch of nutrients and, and antioxidants along the way and fiber, fiber is great. Um, whereas if you're eating the meat and dairy, uh, and dairy is basically like a liquid protein. Okay. Um, you're, you're not filling your stomach up. So you're hungrier more and, um, you know, you're eating more calories. So if you eat a plant-based, um, follow the plant-based lifestyle, there's a good chance you're going to lose weight. And add some exercise in with that. And granted, you're going to feel great. Um, but I, you know, I, I want you to balance it with this idea of a diet. I don't want you to think of the plant-based lifestyle and the plant-based diet as a diet per se. It's a pattern of eating. It's a paradigm shift. And um, in so doing, you probably will lose weight. But I also want you to question, is, is that the goal you should have? Do you need to lose weight? Are you eating just to this way to eat just to lose weight? Or are you eating this way because you want to feel better and feel healthier? And um, so those are the questions you have to ask yourself. And um, I want you to evaluate your reasoning. Is Did you get a diagnosis of your pre-diabetic? And, you know, you the doctor said you need to lose some weight. Um, if you eat plant-based, you probably will lose some weight. 
and your numbers will definitely improve. I just talked to somebody recently um, over Labor Day that, you know, adopted some of the um, things she and I talked about and has lost 11 pounds and um, that more importantly, and that's just a byproduct, but more importantly, her number numbers have dropped dramatically. She's not pre-diabetic anymore. That's the sort of thing that excites me about the plant-based diet. And, you know, she was feeling great. I mean, I could tell you in seeing her, her coloring, her complexion looked better. Um, and it's just literally been a couple of weeks. So it's, it's a really fast, um, uh, you know, um, result um, for some people. You know, everybody's different. So you can't compare yourself to the person next door. I mean, it's all about what's going on with you. And um, so what I would like you to work on is um, keep eating plant-based. Keep If you're slowly doing it, keep doing it. Half your plate should be vegetables and, and fruits the best you can. Remember the whole grains and um, uh, try to avoid uh, the meat and the dairy and the added oils. And remember, lower your salt. And um, and then I want you to start working on the hunger fullness. We've talked about it before, but it's such a huge thing that I, I wanted to bring it back um, before we move on to the next episodes where I'm going to talk about body image some more and um, maybe address some of the actual uh, diet myths that are out there. But, um, you know, and, and then evaluate your reasoning of, you know, why you want to lose weight. Is it that diagnosis or is it society telling you to be thinner, um, wanting to look like somebody else? And, you know, just remember your genetics. Um, you know, uh, I've seen people that gain weight similarly to how their siblings or their mother has gained weight. I've seen them, their body structure is kind of how their family is. And, you can't be taller if you're not genetically destined to be taller. And the same is true for, um, you know, uh, kind of body shapes. Okay. So, uh, just keep that in mind. So with that, um, you know, I, I did want to say again, that this book, um, beyond a shadow of a diet, and I'll bring some things, uh, out of, about, I'll talk to you more about it as I continue to read it. But, I was pretty excited about the non-diet approach because if we can um, focus less on what we're eating to be a diet and more to be a lifestyle change, you know, shift your paradigm to, you know, I, I feel better doing this. I'm not doing it just to lose weight. Um, and if I, I, I'm doing it to feel better and, and, and be healthier um, and the weight loss may happen then that's, that's great. But I think if you quit focusing so much on the number, um, on the scale and focus more on just feeling great about feeding your body, healthy foods and taking care the self care that goes and in, that's involved with that, with involved with, you know, buying good foods and cooking them and finding great recipes and sharing them with the people you love and with yourself and packing your lunch and all that self-care and it's treating yourself well. And, um, you know, delicious food doesn't have to be um, only salad. There's a lot of great things you can eat and, um, 
if within the plant-based world especially and you know if you have to have um a little bit of meat or a little bit of cheese to get you to eat it okay um personally i would cut out the cheese first because i just think that's probably one of the um the hardest for people to cut out yet it's I think it makes the the most uh, difference in how people feel. I mean, I, that's what I found anyway. Um, the dairy was was really um, made, cutting that out made me feel so much better. So um, those are those are my um, tips. Uh, that's kind of where I am with this starting this whole weight loss and diet um, talk with you. Uh, I uh, you know I'm learning myself and want to share with you what I'm learning. And right now it's the non-diet approach and, and kind of um, focusing on uh, why we're doing what we do with weight loss and uh, what it like, what it's like to feel hungry. You know, that's a real natural um, instinct for us. We know it. We, we look at little kids and they uh, will eat you know, till they're full. And then we keep telling them, Oh, finish your food. And we start, we start interfering with those natural inclinations of fullness. And I think if I were to parent my kids again, um, I would, you know, be less apt to do that because we start ruining those natural um, instincts that they are given on when to stop eating. So work on that, the hunger fullness and, and your physical and, um, emotional, uh, reasons for eating. If you physically hungry or are you emotionally hungry and psychologically hungry, uh, kind of start teasing that out. And as always, you can see what I'm eating on my Instagram, Veghead Speaks. Um, it's also posts to my Facebook page, which you can go on and like my Facebook page and kind of, I post some interesting articles on there as well. I'm also on Twitter and, um, LinkedIn, and I have a blog, Veghead Speaks, which I just am putting out something on, uh, where do you get your protein? That question, if you've been doing this for a while, people have been, I'm sure you've had that question of, you're eating plant-based. Well, where do you get your vegan? What, where do you get your protein? So I did kind of a quick blurb on that in my, uh, my blog that just got released. So um, share your thoughts with me. Email me, vegheadspeaks at gmail.com. And um, thanks for listening. <laughs>